myself, and I stare back, totally mesmerized. Material possessions aren't important to me, I say. All that matters to me is yoga. You have found your path, Chandra smiles. Soon you will be walking on the hot coals. He gestures to the nearby pit of smoldering ashy coals, and a nervous laugh goes round the group. Chandra adjusts my arms and moves on, and I close my eyes, letting the sun warm my face. Sitting here on this hillside in the middle of nowhere, I feel so pure and calm. It's not just Luke who's changed over the last ten months. I have, too. I've grown up. My priorities have altered. In fact, I'm a different person. At Chandra's instruction, we all move into the Vajrasana pose. From where I am, I can just see an elderly Sri Lankan man carrying two old carpet bags approaching Chandra. They have a brief conversation, during which Chandra keeps shaking his head. Then the old man trudges away over the scrubby hillside. When he's out of earshot, Chandra turns to face the group, rolling his eyes. This man is a merchant. He asks if any of you are interested in gems, necklaces, cheap bracelets. I tell him your minds are on higher things. You have no need for a sapphire bracelet. A few people nod in appreciation. Aquamarine pendant with platinum chain, Chandra continues. How does this compare to the radiance of inner enlightenment? Aquamarine? Wow. I wonder how much. My eye drifts toward the retreating figure of the old man. Three carat setting, five carat setting, he keeps saying, all half price. Chandra shakes his head. I tell him, these people are not interested. Half price? Five carat aquamarines at half price? Stop it. Chandra's right. Of course I'm not interested in stupid aquamarines. I'm absorbed in spiritual enlightenment. Anyway, the old man's nearly gone now. He's just a tiny figure on the top of the hill. In a minute, he'll have disappeared. And now, Chandra smiles. The Halasana pose. Becky, will you demonstrate? Absolutely. I smile at Chandra and prepare to get into position on my mat. But something's wrong. I don't feel contentment. I don't feel tranquility. The oddest feeling is welling up inside me, driving everything else out. It's getting stronger and stronger. And suddenly I can't contain it any more. Before I know what's happening, I'm running in my bare feet as fast as I can up the hill toward the tiny figure. My lungs are burning, my feet are smarting, and the sun's beating down on my bare head. But I don't stop until I've reached the crest of the hill. I come to a halt and look around, panting. I don't believe it. He's gone. I stand for a few moments, regaining my breath, peering in all directions. But I can't see him anywhere. At last, feeling a little dejected, I turn and make my way back down the hillside to the group. As I get near, I realize they're all shouting and waving at me. Oh, God, am I in trouble? You did it! A woman with long red hair is yelling. You did it! Did what? You ran over the hot coals! I look down at my feet, and I don't believe it. They're covered in grey ash. In a daze, I look at the pit of coals. 
and there's a set of clear footprints running through it. Oh, my God! How did you do it? demands the red-haired woman. What was in your mind? I can answer. Chandra comes forward, smiling. Becky has achieved the highest form of karmic bliss. She was concentrating on one goal, one pure image, and this has driven her body to achieve a supernatural state. Everyone is goggling at me like I'm suddenly the Dalai Lama. It was nothing, really, I say with a modest smile. Just, you know, spiritual enlightenment. Can you describe the image? asks the red-haired woman in excitement. Was it white? Someone else chimes in. Not really white, I say. Was it a kind of shiny blue-green? comes Luke's voice from the back. I look up sharply. He's gazing at me, totally straight-faced. I don't remember, I say. The color wasn't important. Did it feel like... Luke appears to think hard. Like the links of a chain were pulling you along? That's a very good image, Luke, chimes in Chandra, pleased. No, I say shortly. It didn't. Actually, I think you probably have to have a higher appreciation of spiritual matters to understand. I see. Luke nods gravely. Luke, you must be very proud, Chandra beams. Is this not the most extraordinary thing you have ever seen your wife do? Luke looks from me to the smoldering coals, to the silent group, and back to Chandra. Chandra, he says, take it from me. This is nothing. After the class is finished, everyone heads to the terrace where cool drinks are waiting on a tray. But I stay on my mat, meditating, to show how dedicated I am to higher things. I'm half concentrating on the white light of my being, and half imagining running over hot coals in front of Trudy and Sting while they applaud admiringly, when a shadow falls across my face. Greetings, O oh spiritual one says Luke, and I open my eyes to see him standing in front of me, holding out a glass of juice. You're just jealous because you don't have a beautiful inner being, I retort, and casually smooth back my hair so the red dot painted on my forehead shows. Insanely, agrees Luke. Have a drink. He sits down beside me on the ground and hands me the glass. I take a sip of delicious ice-cold passion fruit juice and we both look out over the hills toward the distant horizon. You know, I could really live in Sri Lanka, I say. It's perfect. The weather, the scenery, all the people are so friendly. You said the same in India, Luke points out, and Australia, and Amsterdam. Oh, God, Amsterdam. I'd completely forgotten we went there. I take another sip of juice and let my mind range back over the last ten months. We visited so many countries, it's kind of difficult to remember everything at once. It's almost like a blur of film, with sharp, bright images here and there, snorkeling with all those blue fish in the Great Barrier Reef, the pyramids in Egypt, the elephant safari in Tanzania, buying all that silk in Hong Kong, the gold souk in Morocco, finding that amazing Ralph Lauren outlet in Utah. God, we've had some experiences.
I sigh happily and take another sip of juice. Luke produces a pile of envelopes. Some post came from England. I sit up in excitement and start leafing through the envelopes. Vogue! I exclaim as I get to my special subscriber edition in its shiny plastic cover. Oh, look! They've got an angel bag on the front cover! I wait for a reaction, but Luke looks blank. I feel a tiny flicker of frustration. I read him out that whole piece about angel bags last month, and showed him the pictures and everything. You know, I say, angel bags. The most amazing hip bag since, since... Oh, I'm not even going to bother explaining. Instead, I gaze lustfully at the photograph of the bag. It's made of soft, creamy, tan calfskin, with a transparent resin handle and discreet zipper. But what makes it unique is the beautiful winged angel hand-painted on the front, with the name Gabriel underneath and Diamante. There are six different angels. Gabriel, Michael, Dante, Raphael, Uriel, and Ariel. All the celebrities have been fighting over them, and Harrods is permanently sold out. Holy phenomenon, says the headline beside the picture. Here's another letter, Luke says, from Suze. Suze? I drop Vogue and grab it out of his hand. Suze is my best friend in the world. I have so missed her. The envelope is all thick and creamy white and has a crest on the back with a Latin motto. I always forget how totally grand Suze is. When she sent us a Christmas card, it was a picture of her husband Tarquin's castle in Scotland with From the Cleath Stewart Estate.